Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 16. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how grace isn't meant to be a pool, but it's meant to run out of our lives like streams. Yeah, and I'm Ethan, and I'm going to be talking about how to find purpose in those relationships, uh, those friendships that you have, just through the through, through Oikos. Yeah, it's going to be great. So all that and more in this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 16. Thanks for being on, Ethan. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, good yeah. hanging out. Uh, how long have you, let's just help people get to know yeah, you a little bit. How long it. have you been here at HTC? Um, I know you've been here a while. Right. Let's go, how long have you been okay. here? And then how long have you been on let's staff? Do that. So like my family, uh, they started going way back and about for 20 uh, four years I've been alive and about 24 years I've been going to HTC. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah a like, long I time. I can't remember I, there's I know, a time yeah, not being I at HTC. I, rem- I don't remember time not being yeah. there. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's exactly. And then how long have you been on staff? Yeah, for, for staff, it's only been, geez, well, I mean, since... T- if you count like custodial times. Yeah. Uh, like 2016 was when I started here. Okay. Uh, but for ministry, it's only been about two years. Okay. So, yeah, so lots of different cool. lots jobs of different along roles, the way. Lots, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, and you great. currently work with students out at Apple yeah, Valley. Still, yeah, I love it. It's amazing. So Yeah, yeah it's that's so great. awesome. Well, glad yeah. that you could be here and we could chop it up and just pull some tangible, practical things that we can kind of take away from the message and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll be good. Be so this weekend we were continuing <clears throat> Real Love, Real Life. Uh, it's been, uh, we've been in the series for a minute now. We're almost kind of towards the end of it here. So right. uh, Pastor Tom was kind of reaching close to the end of First John. I think this next weekend we'll actually wrap up First John and get to second and third. Um, but he was kind of getting closer to the end. And as he was talking, he mentioned something that I thought was interesting, especially with the way that we emphasize Oikos Mm -hmm. so much here at HDC, he talked about how it really is impossible that the people in your life would be there by any coincidence. And he just kind of, he used some really interesting examples that, um, man, had you, had your family lived Mm -hmm. two streets down from where they live, or had you gone to a different school or to a different college or chosen to talk about or not talk about this thing or that thing? Because you almost, you kind of always play that game with friends where you're like, if you met me today, would we be friends? And a lot of the time the answer is no. Right. Because at this point, I've just kind of learned how to deal with the way that my friends are. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's because we met when we were so young or because we met when we were in this season of life. But man, today we're in such different spots, but I still love and care for them and love that relationship. But it's because it was kind of rooted in this time where we were super similar. We had a lot in common, even though we don't today. So he's talking about how just as a Christian, we can't believe that anybody we have a relationship with in our life is really by chance or by accident because it's so, there's so many little factors that go into developing a relationship. So as we talk about that, knowing that God plays an intimate role in the relationships that we have, what kind of a perspective does it bring to those relationships? Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, Just knowing that it's not a coincidence that we were, that we have those relationships. I think what you just said, uh, just knowing we're in time, uh, those relationships worked out. Mm. Uh, It's not a coincidence at all. And just knowing that uh, God does really, he's the really the one that is working in that. Um, I think what Tom said, uh, 
is that we could have confidence in those relationships yeah. because we know that it's he working. And I think that was really beautifully said mm. because it's like, that's exactly the truth, you know? And that takes us to our oikos where, where, we, where we know that God has supernaturally placed these people in our lives yeah. for us to uh, preach the gospel, preach the word to them for role, role change. And I think that's super great. Yeah. So, yeah. How does that, how does that change those relationships for you? Cause even as, yeah. even as you're talking about it, I'm thinking like, man, that's a, such a different way to look at relationships, right? right? Sometimes I look at friends for what they can offer me, what I can get out of them. Sometimes I look at relationships based off of convenience yeah. or just shared interest, right? And right. those are some of the common mm -hmm. factors that I'm looking for, but to know or to change the way I think about it to say, oh no, God has placed these people in my life and me in their life. Right for a reason, mm -hmm. how does that change the way that you interact with those people or even look at them? Yeah, so no, that's great, it's a great question. I think for one, it just really, it, it really makes you feel, or, or really gives you the sense of purpose hmm. uh, and the fact that that you, these people, these, these relationships that you have in your life, these friends that you have in your life, they're there. I mean, obviously you make connections because of whatever reason it is, you know? Yeah. A lot of my friends are, big time like they love pokemon go and they love okay. like different things like that yeah and so they, the, that shared definitely interest. plays shared interest definitely plays a, its part but i think ultimately like god is the one that is orchestrating that and so if we have that outlook if we have that mindset of what that is it pr produces uh produces uh, this this idea that okay these are the people that God's placed in my life. And I, mean, I, think, I think it makes me feel more comfortable knowing that it is God who mm. is doing the work and not myself. Mm. Because I know I'm a, I'm a sinner, I miss, I miss things up. But knowing that He and His perfect will has placed these people in my lives, it changes my whole perspective of how I should reach out to these people. Yeah, so. yeah I feel like sometimes <clears throat> when Pastor Tom or whoever's preaching talks about your oikos or the people in your life that you're called to bring the gospel to them, that can feel really, which is great because a lot of times when we talk about the gospel, we talk about the entire world, which right, is super exactly. daunting. Uh -huh. But then even when we get to talking about those eight to 15 people, sometimes that can feel daunting too. Yeah. And for a different reason, because those are like these really intimate relationships. Um, they're relationships that, you know, we cherish and, right. and love very deeply, but we kind of look at those and say like, man, am I the right person or can I even bring the gospel to these people in my life in a way that would be compelling or impactful at all. And to know or walk with the confidence that, oh, no, 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 God has strategically picked me right, to exactly. be in their life mm -hmm. for this reason. So this isn't like whether or not I think I'm capable, right. God knows mm -hmm. I'm capable. Knows I'm capable. And exactly. so that's why he mm -hmm. put me in this position right. and in these relationships. That's a whole different level of confidence, <laughs> exactly. right? To it know is. like, it's totally different. okay, God yeah. knows these people more intimately than I could ever know them. Mm -hmm. He knows me more intimately than I could ever know myself. And he put us all together. Right, so exactly. So that, there's gotta be a reason for that. And there's got to be a, a confidence that that gives me, that I'm not just trying to pick these people at random. I'm not um, just trying to go door to door and find somebody that I could strike up a relationship with. Right. But these are relationships yeah. that he's given me for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And that gives a lot of confidence. And I love what you said too about purpose, because right. I think we're such purpose people. We love things uh, that call us to something higher, something that's more than ourselves. So to say, man, these people that I love so much, they're going to spend eternity apart from God mm -hmm. if yeah. I don't take yeah. my role and my purpose in their life that God knows I am the best person for. 
I'm best suited to reach these people in my life. Right. And that's why he's placed me in their life and them in mine. And so there's purpose and confidence that comes with that. Yeah, no, that's beautifully, beautifully said. I think that even that, that even ties into the whole point of message, which, which was real obedience. Hmm. And so once you have that mindset, once you have that confidence uh, and that encouragement to say, okay, no, God has given me, it is God who's working in me to reach these people. God is confident in me to do this. That's where it becomes an obedient level because mm. now you're going to say, okay, well, am I going to be obedient to that, or am I going to get get set, or am I going to? And I, I think even thinking about students for a second, there, yeah. we, we just went through the Ecclesiastes uh, series, and one of the things that was that that the book Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes mentions is um, just this idea of that a so of a sower, right, mm. who goes out and he sows seed and and what. And when he starts thinking about the uncertainties of life, the things that could go wrong about sowing or farming, he stops. Mm. And I think that's true for us in this in this Oikos principle. If we get so caught up with the uncertainties of well, what's going to happen if I do share the gospel, what happens if I do share Christ to these people, if we get so caught up in that, we can become stagnant and disobedient in that case. Mm. And so that I think Tom has really made that point of, hey, doing this, loving the people that God has placed in your life hmm. is truly obedience. Yeah. And it goes back to even just Mark 12 uh, verses 28 and 29, um, just to love your neighbors or to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Like that is all just obedience to him and an obedience in a way that says, okay, I want to love you by loving the people that you've placed in my life. Mm. And if we take it from that framework, instead of just this framework of all oh, my friends are my friends, then we can really be impacted and really, really minister to those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and see so much um, potential in that relationship, and honestly, then become the the best friend we ever could be. That's right. the I think that's the funny thing too. We think that well, it's going to so drastically change this relationship right. if I'm trying mm -hmm. to reach you for the gospel. And it's gonna get weird. It's gonna get awkward and uncomfortable. Actually, no. Like I'm probably gonna be a better friend to you than I ever would be yeah. if I didn't uh -huh. have the purpose of reaching you with the gospel. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I don't want to tell you what Jesus is like. I want to show you what Jesus exactly. is like in the way that I show up in your life, in the way that I love you, in the way that I serve you, in the way that I'm quick to forgive you, and I'm, and I'm, I'm quick to seek forgiveness. I want to show all of those things visibly in the way that I interact in this relationship. So now this relationship has become so purposeful mm -hmm. and it's like not awkward. I'm actually just being the best friend that I've ever been to anybody ever before, yeah, right? Exactly like I, right. I have all this new purpose and energy towards it. And I even love that context, that broader context of obedience because mm -hmm. Obedience, I think we think of this list of rules that's right. really unattractive, uh -huh. it's really scary, kind of daunting, when in all actuality, this obedience that we're called to brings us into greater purpose. Mm -hmm. It brings us into greater confidence. It yeah. brings us into greater simplicity, which doesn't yeah. mean that our lives are easier, but it means that there's simplicity, there's purpose, and there's confidence. That's a life that I want to live. Right, right? exactly, yeah. I want to seek after those mm -hmm. things. So uh, that's, that's a great take on that end. And then also, you know, Pastor Tom then kind of moved on next to talking about how um, you really can't love Jesus without loving his church. Yeah, And exactly. I thought that was such a good 
point and uh-huh. something that we don't really talk about enough. And he made it as simple as like, you know, the church is referenced in scripture as the bride of Christ right. and using this kind of beautiful metaphor of the intimate relationship that we share corporately with Jesus and his desire um, to be one with us, uh, to protect us the way that a husband protects a wife, all of those kind of things, to lead us the way a husband protects a wife, all those beautiful like illustrations. But then Tom made it just real simple man, you and I are both relatively recently married. Um, There's not many people, uh, I can't think of anybody that I'm friends with that doesn't like my wife, right? Right. And if my friends don't like my wife, that's going to be a big issue for our relationship. And I've had friends in college that they get married and I'm not great friends with their wife, right? Mm. I don't don't really enjoy their wife's company. And um, that fizzles the relationship. Or, you know, they didn't like mine for whatever reason. And it's not like some big scandalous reason. It's just like they don't get along. Well, that relationship isn't going to last because I've now hitched myself to my wife Uh for life. So that's going to be, if you don't like my wife, that's going to be a problem for me. Right, (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. But man, how fascinating to take that to that next level and say, because that's really what he got to, man. If you don't like Jesus's wife, then how are you going to have a relation? How's that relationship with Jesus Mm -hmm. not going to fizzle? And I think that's such an important thing to to pull up because you are in youth ministry and we both kind of fall in this young adults land right now right. in the church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young people in the church, either they don't feel seen or respected or have the ability to make an impact or make decisions or whatever, or they feel hurt or fill in the blank. There's lots of reasons for this deconstruction movement right. that is growing. And the whole premise of the deconstruction movement is that we don't like the bride of Christ, that we don't like the church, and that the church isn't doing what it should be or it's not doing it as well as it could be. And these are like well-intentioned things. These people want the church to live up to what the Bible calls it to, but they're approaching it from the view of a critic rather than the view of a member, right? right? Mm -hmm. So how does... um, how does what Pastor Tom was saying, what does that lead us to? How can, as a, a young person, we still engage with the church, even if we have felt hurt or like we don't have a role or we haven't been seen or whatever it is? Yeah. No, I think that's perfect. I think for us young people, uh, and just thinking of youth ministry, I see a lot of, of my students who are ahead of adult, many adults, actually, in just mm. like in that in that part of where I love people. Like I really want to love people as Mm. Christ has called me to love people. And so I think as young people, you know, as, as younger, as being two young men in the church, uh, that's one of the biggest things is really loving those people. Even if we get treated poorly or we don't get heard because we're, oh, we're just young. You're just young. You're just a young person. You don't really know anything. Uh, Even that happens. Like it's really turning the other cheek as Jesus says, and really just loving those people regardless, you know? Mm. And I think that's hard um, because I, I get it. There's there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of ugliness in the church mm. uh, and, and just thinking the church globally, right? yeah. there's been a lot of ugliness in the church, um, but God doesn't want us to be divided. Yeah. And, and through that, we need to just love those people um, and, and really pray for those people. And and I think for myself, I, I, I get, Caught, caught up uh, not doing that not mm. really praying for the people that you know if I have an issue with this person um, or you know I, I have I have an issue not praying for that person not really loving that person yeah uh, and that's just true for my friendship you know or my friends you know uh, when I have a when I have a problem with this person you know you, you you tend to to lack that and it's like well that's not 
being helpful at all. Mm. Um, in fact, it's it's creating the opposite. And in a in a culture where everything is so divided, yeah, um, it just is. It's creating more and more of that pull away, that that distance, and people are exiting. Uh, some people are exiting the church because of it, and that is like. That's not. That's not really loving the bride of Christ. Yeah. And if you don't. If you don't exactly what you were saying. If you don't love the bride of Christ, how can you really love Christ? Yeah. That's the. That's the most important part. If you're not being obedient to the second commandment, right, to love your neighbor as yourself, you cannot be obedient to the first commandment, which is to love your God with all your heart. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I. I think it's so easy to play the role of the critic mm-hmm. instead of the role right. of the reconciler. Right. Because the critic doesn't have to do anything. The critic can just say, these are all the things that are broken. These are all the things that are wrong. These are all the things I don't like. Yeah. And that's the end of their job. <laughs> right. That's, that's all they have to do. That's it. They don't have to say, here's how you could have done it better. I mean, you think about um, movie critics. You think about um, food critics and right. now these church critics as well, yeah. which I so easily fall into so often because it's just so much easier to point right. out problems than it is to find reconciliation, than it is to find solutions, right? And I think from the perspective of the young person, um, it is, I I don't wanna be dismissive of it, it is challenging to be a young person in church right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The the average age of church leadership has gone up every 10 years, which means church leadership has just kind of stayed there. And that's really great because there's a lot that we can learn from this generation of church leaders. But it also has led for young people to feel like they aren't seen, they aren't heard, all of these different things. So I understand the frustration and the tension that they feel. And it's so easy to move into criticism initially. And I think one of the first verses that comes to mind when we talk about being young and being in the church uh, is, you know, from First Timothy, don't let anybody despise you for your youth, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. Uh, that's like the first one that comes to mind. Here's what I think is so crazy, is the verse that follows that is a verse that we never quote, right? Young people always quote, don't let anybody despise you for your youth. But it's always funny with those like punchy verses, there's always a verse right after that like is even punchier Uh that we just don't even, we just kind of dismiss. The verse right after it says, but set the example. And then it goes on to list all these things. Set the example in teaching, set the example in righteousness, set the example in fill in all these blanks. And this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy, is don't let anybody despise you for your youth. And here's how you do that. You set the example as to how to live this Christian life. You don't become the critic, but you set the example. If you think something's broken about the church, if you think something's broken about the way that things are working, then set the example for what it should be. Mm -hmm. Don't criticize it and leave it. Don't abandon the bride of Christ, but set the example. Stay in it. Build something new. Bring health to the thing. Because, um, man, when, when the body has a a sickness or an infection, um, man, you, you got to fight that together as a body. You can't right. just start, a, a, you know, you can't just start having all these different members of the body just running and saying like, oh, there's something wrong. Like, we're just going to dip yeah. instead, like yeah, get involved and let's, right. let's fix it. Let's build mm-hmm. something new together. Um, so I think, man, for a young person out there or for people who feel disenfranchised with the church because it's not what they wanted it to be. This right. is the other piece of the whole equation, though, too, is expectations, yeah. right? 
what do we expect of the church? Is it biblical what we expect of the right. church? Is it Absolutely. biblical what we expect of God's people, or is it not? What are yeah. you, what are your takes on how do we have better expectations of our? Because it's that's a yeah. big reason why we get frustrated with church right. is exactly. it doesn't meet our expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think so often people put this expectation of perfection on the church. Mm. Almost, I'm not. People know that it, that we're not perfect, you know, but I'm not saying that, but. People almost put the sense of, oh, you need to be this, you need to be that, and it's and if you have those high expectations of what the church should be, uh, you're going to make major mistakes. Um, if you have this super high expectation that is unrealistic to to the Bible, um, that you're that's that it goes hand in hand to leading you to that deconstruction mm. uh, viewpoint. If you have, and I mean, we we do that on, on our on people. We look to we look to pastors uh, as these idols almost, where we, mm. we look them up and we say, okay, that person, I'm following Kim. Um, uh, he's He's got it right. These other pastors, they all, they're all wrong. Mm. And instead of idolizing that, you know, go turn to God's word. Mm. That's the ultimate authority. That's the ultimate truth. Yeah. You know, um, and there's plenty of pastors that are so, so so great at speaking, so great at, at pointing out biblical truth, biblical principles. But if we just constantly run to those people and then never, never really, really look back, or we know we don't, we we almost put them in this stratosphere of perfection, mm. then we'll, we'll we'll make major mistakes when that person messes up. Yeah, or we'll we'll fall into that category when that person fails. Or yeah, whatever. and that's. One of the biggest issues in the church right now is yeah. we, we put too many high expectations on people that are not perfect. Yeah, which is really easy to do when the only time that we're growing spiritually, the only time that we're feeding spiritually is through that person. Whether it's a, mm -hmm. a celebrity pastor right. who we watch their YouTube videos or whatever, or it's a small group leader or whatever it is, it's somebody that we've latched onto as a spiritual leader right. and they're the way that we're growing spiritually. I think that's when we're out of bounds biblically is that there's one person that is leading the efforts of our spiritual growth and right. it's not even us, right? Uh -huh. um, when it's actually, it's this concept of it takes a village in discipleship, right? I'm not going to be discipled by this one pastor. I'm not going to be yeah. discipled by this one person, not because I have some weird authority complex, but because there's going to be other voices that need to speak into my life as well. And then I need to own my role in right. discipleship as well. Mm -hmm. and, bring myself to God's word and seek to uh, teach myself, seek to grow, seek to learn, mm -hmm. um, seek to live in greater obedience. And so in all of those things, now I've, I've really kind of insulated myself from disappointment because right. yeah, somebody in my life will most certainly fail and most certainly fall. It might be me. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. There's exactly, a good yeah. chance it's going to be me. There's going to be lots of different spiritual figures that mm. play that role and they don't meet all my expectations and they aren't um, as kind to me in certain situations or as loving or as there for me or whatever. Yeah. But that becomes less of a big deal when I don't just have one. Right, but when exactly. I have this army of people who are speaking into my life, mm -hmm. who are pouring into me spiritually, who are taking part in my growth and my discipleship, and then on top of that, I'm coming to God's word on a regular basis because he's never going to fail me. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. So that helps insulate our expectations mm -hmm. a little bit. So on these topics of um, this kind of obedience in, in seeking our relationships, obedience in remaining in the church, um, man, what are some tangible ways that we can um, see those relationships missionally 
and also seek the endurance and ability yeah. to stick it out and to remain in God, in Christ's bride. Yeah. yeah. No, I think for one is just to remind ourselves of the gospel daily is mm. probably like the biggest thing. If we, if we are constantly reminding of us what Jesus did on that cross for not just the sake of those people that are like, in our oikos, but for the sake of us, mm. what he did on the cross, not for, again, not for those people in our oikos, but for what he did on the cross for us, ourselves, then we can start to become a little bit more mission-minded and recognizing, okay, this is what God has done in my life. Now I want to go out and I want to share this with other people. Yeah. And I don't want to just talk about it. I want to show people, okay, this is who Christ is. Like I want to, I want to become more like him. Mm. I want to grow in my salvation. As Paul says in Philippians, I want to grow in my salvation. I want to become more like him. Um, and, and that's through the process of God's process of, of restoring us as a whole. Uh, but as we are being restored through Christ, we become more like him. And the more we become like him, the more we're going to want to sh- share the good news because mm. that, that is the greatest thing of all, you know, and those people, if, if we, Look at those people and say, okay, I, I I want to, I really, really want to live out uh, what what Jesus has called me to do in, mm. in that, in the Great Commission, what Jesus has called me to do in the Great Commission. I really want to live that out. Then we'll recognize those people in our lives and we'll share the gospel. And it won't be coming a knock on the door, whatever, yeah. finding homeless people in the streets. Um but it'll become a little more intentional, a little yeah. more meaningful. Yeah. Not that, not that obviously <clears throat> the mission is so, so impactful, but really our mission is right here mm. um, with, with that eight to 15 people that God's placed in our life. Yeah. Uh, that household that we have. Yeah. And so really just making sure that we're loving those people and really reflecting Christ to them. Yeah. Uh, if we're not doing that, if we're not reflecting Christ and, and that, that coincides with if we're not loving the bride of Christ at all, if we're not really loving the bride of Christ, then we can't. We're not going to be effective at all. Mm. We're not going to be effective, and because we're not by that at the, by that definition, we're not loving Christ. Mm. And if we're not loving Christ, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and I think that's that whole if you shoot for everybody, you get nobody yeah, you get type shoot, of thing. Exactly. Right? If you shoot for so you everybody, gotta, you get nobody. You're yeah. going to be too overwhelmed um, saying I got to yeah. go preach the gospel to everybody. So man, yeah. let me live it out to yeah. these people in my life. And I think that's a that's a great takeaway for how we stay missional yeah. there. And f- for me, as I'm thinking about man, how do we remain? in the body of Christ when it's so easy to feel hurt and frustrated yeah. by the by the members mm-hmm. in the body of oh, Christ. Yeah. I think that's one of the main reasons why we depart from the body mm-hmm. is because we feel offended um, by the people in the body of Christ, whether it's because um, they have expectations of how we dress or how we right. act or mm-hmm. what music we listen to or whatever that feel um, superficial and they feel snobby or whatever it is and we feel hurt by them or it's because um, we got spiritual advice that was that was bum advice it was bad advice and we feel Mm -hmm. hurt by taking uh trusting somebody on that and then being let down um there's so many reasons as to why somebody can feel hurt by the church um and man one of the things i've realized uh as somebody who was probably heading down that path of deconstruction heading down that path of Mm -hmm. abandoning the bride of christ uh one of the things that has been really helpful to me is realizing that as I'm trying to pull myself out of this role of a critic, like we talked about, it's so easy. As I'm trying to pull myself out of the role of a critic and into somebody who seeks reconciliation, one of the things I've learned to try to focus on when I feel critical is to say, how are these people in this church, how are they extending grace to me? Mm. 
because all I'm focusing on is how I don't want to extend grace to them because right. they don't like what I wear or they don't like how I talk or they don't like what I listen to or they've got all these little things that they've said that hurt my feelings or that yeah. make me feel like I don't belong here and I don't want to extend grace to them and that's all I want to focus on is mm-hmm. how I don't want to extend grace to them but to say, man, how are they extending grace to me? Right. To change the conversation. And to, because it's so easy as a critic, you just get to hop on critique and never extend any grace. And really that's what this deconstruction movement has right. done is mm-hmm. refused to extend grace to the generation of Christians that has come before them. And right. to say, we just won't, we won't come to understand why you operate the way that you do. We won't yeah. extend any grace to you. And what, what you fail to realize when you're not in the body of Christ, when you're not in the church, is how much the people in the church are extending grace to you. All you're focusing uh-huh. on is how you don't want to extend grace to other people, yep. but you miss how much grace is being extended to you. Because man, when you showed up as a 12-year-old and you were sagging your pants and listening to this music or whatever, and they rallied around you and were willing to welcome you in, as different as you were from them, as odd as it was, as frustrating as it was to them, that they extended that grace to you and they saw you as valuable. Mm-hmm. And even still today, that grace is extended to me. Right. Man, I, I want to shift my perspective. And that always helps me get out of the critique mode to say, I want to critique this person and I want to say how their critiques of me or their frustrations with me were incorrect or whatever. But man, how are they extending grace to me? How are they extending grace to me in allowing me to bump shoulders with them in the body of Christ? I always think, how dare these people bump shoulders with me? Yeah. I know they're thinking the same thing. Uh, how dare Jackson bump shoulders with me in the right. body of Christ? Exactly. And so how are they extending grace to me um, instead of me just focusing on how I don't want to extend grace to them? Yeah. Because what I come to realize is so many more people are extending more grace to me than I think I'm extending Extend to them. To them exactly. And so yeah. that teaches me, man, grace isn't a pool. It's mm-hmm. meant to be shared, right? It's yeah. it's not meant to pool up with me. It's meant to, to leak out into all these aspects of my life. And so I don't want to pool grace and pull myself away from community, mm-hmm. away from God's people. But instead, I want to let grace abundantly flow out of my life. Right. And that shifts me from critiquing to reconciling. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. So a couple of tangible takeaways for you. Hopefully it was a helpful conversation. Thanks so much for being on, Ethan. I loved being on you. Yeah, Yeah, fun getting to chop it up. And uh, hopefully you guys have a great week. We'll catch you next week on Tangible Takeaways. Don't forget to comment Tangible Takeaway that you have uh, and share this video with a friend. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, guys. Perfect. 30. Oh, oh. Tanner. Tanner, don't tell 30. me that. 30? Why? Don't tell Why? me that. What? Why?